And now let's think about God's precious word. I want you to take your Bibles and turn with me, if you would, to the passage that was read this morning. You read it together. Uh, Hebrews chapter 12. If you turn there. Now, as you're turning there, last Sunday I shared with you that the previous Sunday had been one of the most unusual experiences in my entire uh, life and, and ministry when I was uh, sitting in a hotel room in Pennsylvania and I was watching our congregation, though there was no congregation to see, our first worship service online in real time. And that was just a very, very unusual uh, moment for me. But you know what? That most unusual moment was surpassed last Sunday by the most surreal moment I'd ever had in ministry, have ever had in ministry. I'd like to share with you about it. I pulled up here on the parking lot, and it was about 9.25, and there were four vehicles in the parking lot. Usually at that time, there would be hundreds of cars. There were far, four. It was just surreal. Then I came into this auditorium, and it was empty, other than for just a few people getting ready to lead out in the service. It was empty. There was just three of us seated out here when we had our time of singing. It was me singing, and Joe Cappell singing, and James Lawrence singing. And I want to tell you, we sounded amazing, really. We really did. I don't think there's an auditorium anywhere that we couldn't empty. <laughs> then after the service, the elders met in a web call. And then I had the most surreal moment in my entire ministry. I walked through these buildings on a Sunday morning about 11.45, and they were completely empty. When there's usually crowds in every hallway, children, adults, empty. Walking through the Welcome Center, empty. I came back into this auditorium, empty. And my heart was heavy. But then the Spirit of the Lord so clearly spoke to my heart. See this. Sam, see this. And here's what I saw. I saw in, a, in an empty church building, I saw the church body. In an empty church building, I saw the church body because it was the greatest reminder of my life the church is not brick and mortar. It's not buildings. It's a body. And we were gathered as a body last Sunday. And countless hundreds of thousands and millions of our brothers and sisters in Christ gathered. The church was gathered. Even though the buildings were empty. And that was a great moment for me. You know, sometimes the Lord Jesus Christ can take our trials and make them into the greatest triumphs. 
And certainly we are in times of trial, but they can become times of triumph through our Lord. We talked about the Lord's providence last week. And we learned this, that God in His providence allows His people to experience trials so that we can learn to view the invisible and value the invaluable. My friends, it is in times of trial that the Lord helps us to see, to view the invisible so that we can more value what is invaluable. That truth was expressed last week as we read in the Gospel of Mark chapter 4, the story of the terrible storm and the disciples in the boat. The boat was about to sink and Jesus was taking a nap in the stern of the boat. And they woke him asking if they, that he didn't care if they were perishing. Of course, he stood and he rebuked the wind and the waves. And a calm came. And then they asked the question, who is this? That even the winds and the seas obey him. But then you, you remember the question Jesus asked. He asked, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Are you still without faith? Note that Jesus connected the fullness of fear with a failure of faith. The fullness of fear that was upon his disciples was really a result of a failure of faith. What did he want his disciples to see? What was it he wanted them to see? He wanted them to see him. He was asleep in the boat. He was in their boat. He truly was the prince at peace. And if the prince is at peace, his people do not have to be overcome with fear because he is in our boat. Now, he was their peace Then, and friends, he is our peace now. He is our peace. And it is in seeing him that our faith is created. It is in seeing Jesus that our faith is also sustained. Our faith is created by looking to Jesus and our Faith is sustained by looking to Jesus. So you see, faith must have a focus. If you look within yourself, you'll not find much for faith. If you focus on what is going around, on around you, you won't find much to bring faith. But if we fix our eyes on Jesus, that is where Faith is created and sustained. And that is the passage we have this morning that we want to look at for a few minutes in Hebrews chapter 12. Don read this and we read this in unison earlier. And I pray that God would unite our hearts in it this morning. So notice what is shared here. What is shared here, first of all, is faith itself. What 
is faith. There are some questions asked that we need to ask and answer. The writer here of Hebrews is talking about faith. He's talking about persevering in faith. He's speaking to believers who were going through terrible times of trial. And he's telling them, don't turn back. Don't turn back to unbelief, but press on in faith. So what is faith? What is faith? Well, we'll not open this up, but if you look at chapter 11, verses 1 through 6, you see the essence of faith. He shares what the essence of faith is in verses 1 through 6 of chapter 11. And then to make sure we understand faith, he gives us examples of faith. Beginning at verse 7 all the way through verse 40 of chapter 11, there are these wonderful examples of faith. So we are told the essence of faith and the examples of faith. But then that leads him to share the next thought. And even though it is in chapter 12, there are no chapter divisions, as you're aware, in the original. The thought continues, and he is going to share what this faith actually looks like. What does faith look like? He's talking about the expression of faith. If we're supposed to be people of faith, what is the expression of this faith? What does faith look like? And there's a simple but profound answer. Please don't miss this this morning. Faith looks a lot like looking. Faith looks like looking. One of the greatest quotes on faith that I have ever read in my life, and it has sustained me many times, is from the wonderful writer and pastor A.W. Tozer, who pastored in Chicago, Illinois. He said this, Faith is the gaze of the soul upon a saving God. That's what faith is. Faith is the gaze of a soul upon a saving God. And my friends, throughout the Bible, throughout the Bible, we see looking, looking connected with believing and having faith. Faith is compared to looking. Faith is the gaze of the soul. Where does faith and how does faith gaze on the Lord? Well, faith gazes upon the Lord, our saving God, through prayer, through prayer. One of the greatest times of trial for the nation of Judah took place under the time of their king Jehoshaphat. And Judah was attacked by a terrible invader. The massed armies of the Amalekites and the Ammonites. And their attack was going to bring probably a 100% mortality rate. And the people, they felt powerless. What can we do against such an enemy? The people felt fearful. We understand that. They felt powerless against this enemy that was invading and they were filled with fear. 
And then King Jehoshaphat, even though he was afraid, he did something. He called the people to fasting and prayer. He called the people to fasting and prayer, and he led them in prayer. And it is one of the most beautiful prayers in the Bible. I want you to hear this one phrase from it. Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 12. Here's what the king of Judah prayed. He prayed to God. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Isn't that beautiful? We don't know what to do. But our eyes are on you. Notice, they were praying. They were looking to God in prayer. Their eyes were on him in prayer. You see, my friends, the people of God kept their eyes closed in prayer and their eyes were opened in prayer to see the Lord. As they closed their eyes in prayer, their eyes were opened by prayer to see the greatness of their God. And they were encouraged, they acted, they responded in faith, and God gave one of the greatest victories his people had ever known. What is faith? Faith is gazing upon God in prayer. That's how we do it. We gaze upon God in prayer. Then in the New Testament, the Lord Jesus described faith as the gaze of the soul. Jesus described faith as the gaze of the soul. In John chapter 3, you may remember this. The, one of the rulers of the Jewish people came to Jesus at night. His name is Nicodemus, a good man, a devout man, but a man without peace in his heart of his relationship with God. And Jesus said to him, Nicodemus, you must be born again. And Nicodemus said, how is this possible? How can a man be born again when he is old? How can this happen? And Jesus directed Nicodemus to the word of God. He directed him to the word of God. And he learned a lesson that we need to learn. Faith is gazing upon a saving God in his word. Gazing into the word of God. We find faith. What did Jesus tell Nicodemus? John chapter 3. You know verse 16. But how about verses 14 and 15? And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Jesus is directing this religious leader, this very learned man, to the word of God, to Numbers chapter 21, where we're told that the nation of Israel was plagued by fiery serpents because of their rebellion against God and their murmuring against God. And they were bitten by these serpents. Many were dying. Some were dead. And they were terrified. They cried out to the Lord. The Lord told Moses to make a serpent out of brass. 
to raise it up on a pole in the midst of the camp of Israel. And every Jewish person who looked to that serpent was healed. And Jesus said, Nicodemus, that's how you're born again. You must look. You must believe. Just like they looked to that serpent, you are going to have to look to the Son of God. Jesus is connecting, believing, and looking. What is faith? It's the gaze of the soul on a saving God. And my friend, where will you find him? You will see his face in prayer and you will see his face in Jesus Christ in the word of God. That's where you'll see him. Jesus says looking to him is how we believe. It's how faith is created. And my friends, may I challenge us all, beginning with myself, in this time of trial of our faith, may we be looking with our eyes on our God by closing our eyes in prayer. May we confess at times we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And may we look to the word of God and not just read it, not just have our devotions, but let's ask the Lord to help us to see him, to see him so that we might have faith and be sustained in our faith. This leads us to a third question I want us to consider about faith. And it comes from our text here this morning. Where does faith look? We've talked about what faith is. We've talked about how faith, how faith is created. But specifically notice, where does faith look? And the answer is found here in Hebrews chapter 12. Faith gazes upon a saving God by focusing on Jesus. That is where faith is brought to our hearts. Faith gazes upon the saving God, and that saving God is our Jesus, and our faith is created, our faith is sustained as we focus on Jesus Christ. Notice what it says in verse 2 of chapter 12. You read it and quoted it earlier. Verse 2, looking to Jesus the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and he is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Now note that, note that. What's the topic the writer has here? The topic is faith. He's talking about faith. And he says, faith is looking. Faith is looking where? Faith is looking on Jesus. Looking to Jesus. We are enabled by the grace of God. And this is all the grace of God. It is a gift from God. But we are enabled by God's grace 
to gaze on Jesus. And as we gaze on Jesus, here's what we find. He is the source of our faith. He's the source of our faith. Look at the verse again. Listen to the word of God. Looking to Jesus, who is the founder of our faith. That word founder there is archegon. We get our word architect from that. That as we look to Jesus, Jesus is the founder of our faith. Where do we find faith? We find faith in the founder of our faith. And he will create faith in us. He will found us in the faith as we look to him. All the old gospel chorus is so true. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Jesus is the source of our faith. But notice one other thing. Jesus is not only the source of our faith, he is a sustainer of our faith. We are to look unto Jesus. Notice, he is the founder, verse 2. And he is the perfecter. That means he is the completer. He has begun this work in faith in us and he will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ, as Paul tells us. He will cause our faith to hold fast. He will cause our faith to grow as we are looking to Jesus. He sustains us. It is the Lord himself who creates faith in us. And faith is something that he works into us as we gaze upon him, as we focus on him. And then he sustains that faith as we continue to focus on him. We persevere in the faith in the midst of trials. And Jesus said, in this world, you will have trials. Our journey is compared so often to trials. But in the midst of the trials, our faith can be sustained and will be sustained as we look and focus on the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the founder and he is the protector of our faith. God's grace causes us to keep looking to Jesus, not just looking once and looking away, but gazing upon him, focusing upon him. Our faith has a focus. The focus of our faith is Jesus Christ. And by focusing on him, we persevere. And we persevere in faith. As Jesus is the surpassing inspiration of our faith. Why? <laughs> Should we follow Jesus in times like this? Why should we ever follow Jesus? Because it's Jesus we get to follow. He is the pearl of great price. He is the treasure hidden in the field. 
He is the unspeakable, unmatchable gift of gracious God Almighty. He is the lily of the valley. He is the fairest of 10,000 to our soul. There is no one like him. And when we look to him, we come to know him. And as we know him, we love him. What does he help us to do? As we're looking unto Jesus, he helps us to lay aside every weight. Do you notice that in verse 1? Lay aside every weight as you're pursuing Jesus. What is a weight? A weight is something that's unhelpful. It might not be a sin, but it's just not helpful. It's holding you back. And as you focus on the Lord Jesus in prayer and the word, he will help you to know what are the things that are weights. They're unhelpful. But he'll also help you to see the things that are sin. What is sin? That which is unholy. It's not something that's just unhelpful. It's unholy. It's contrary to God and his nature. And that sin nature is within us. And this sin so easily clings to us. And the word here means in verse 1, it is like a garment wrapped around us tightly. And we have, by the grace of God, to strip it off. He will help us to lay aside everything that's unhelpful and to strip off by His grace that which is unholy. And My friends, we need sometimes folks with us to help us who can speak into our lives and help us to grow in grace so that we can know what is unhelpful and what is unholy. And I encourage you in this networking, network together about your walk with the Lord, your journey with Jesus Christ. My friend, what keeps us looking to Jesus? You know what keeps us looking to Jesus? Love. Oh, not our love. His love. It's the love of Christ that holds us fast and constrains us. Not my love for him. His love for me. What keeps us love controlled? What keeps us love controlled in a season when the world seems to be controlled by the fear of coronavirus. And we are so dominated by the fear of coronavirus. What can keep us love controlled? One thing, Corona Victus. The one who wears the crown. The one who wore the crown for you and for me. We look to Jesus. And what do we see? That for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, even though he despised the shame. Do you see? Jesus went to the cross for joy. Not the joy of the cross. That was terrifying and horrible to him. But it was the joy beyond the cross. It was the joy of his father glorified. And it was the joy of the children of God brought back to the father. And the image bearers restored and paradise lost. Paradise regained. That's what he saw. 
And it filled him with joy. Think about it. He saw you. And he saw me. And he saw what we could be if he would go to the cross. And with joy, he did it. What keeps us controlled in a season of fear? Love. To think about the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. The one who wore the crown. And he wore the crown because he bore my sins and yours. And that fills us with love. My sin... Oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, has been nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, oh, my soul. And I know we as the people of God say amen.